Now listen, let me just say ahead of time, okay? Most likely, the majority of you tonight are not going to hear anything you've never heard before. But it's, it's putting it all together as a reminder. You know, we have the Word of God in our hands, on your phone, on your computer, whether it's in book form, whatever, for that very reason, that we can go back and we can study what God has done in the past. When people say, well, you never know what God's going to do. That's not true. Go look in the Word of God. What he did in the past is the same thing he's going to do now. He changes not. You got that? So, so tonight, uh, what I desire to do, and, and, and listen, I, I'm kind of prepared that if this that goes into a part two next week, that'll be okay, because uh, as I was getting ready tonight just to come here, uh, God triggered something in my heart, and I went, oh, well, that, that would be good for part two. So if we don't finish tonight, we'll do part two, and I'll add on that other piece that I got to today. That'll be okay? So uh, I, I want to hurry up, but I want to also take my time. Does that make sense? Yep. <laughs> so the things that I sense that we really need to kind of settle on, uh, because um, I'm so glad there's so many people that are coming tonight, um, because this is an important topic. Uh, listen to me. The world system, and when I say the world system, don't right away think to yourself, oh, he's got in it for this group or that group or the other. No, it's the world system. Every human being on this planet is a victim of the world system. It's a, the world system is not one group of people. It's the plot of the enemy to destroy the kingdom of God, to thwart the plans of God, and to wear down the people of God. Now, we know this is true because we're told in the book of Daniel, and I'm not in the message yet. This is an introduction because there's more people coming in. Okay. Uh, we're told in the book of Daniel that one of the tactics that will be used in the last days, say last days. Last days. Okay, which we're in the last days. Yes. Turn to somebody so we're in it. We're in it. No use, don't go looking for it. We're in it. These are the, in fact, in fact, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, you know, I got to stop saying that because it, it kind of infers that sometimes we're not honest. Uh, um, I'm going to be very emphatic about this point. How's that? I believe we're in the last of the last days. If Jesus doesn't come back soon, I'd be really shocked. Okay? So, now listen. So, in the book of Daniel, now Daniel saw into his future and saw these days that we're living in right now. And he said that one of the tactics of the Antichrist the false Messiah, the one who's contrary to the kingdom of God, would be this. He will wear down the saints. Who are the saints? I, I trick some Catholic people when they do that. And I can say that because I was one. When I found out that we're the saints that the Bible talks about, it was like, Saint Joseph. So, so you catch what I'm saying? Listen to me. So we need to be very wise. Wise. What's wisdom? Wisdom is a practical application of knowledge. Now, there's a lot of us that have knowledge. There are very few of us that have wisdom. Many people in the church, and I'm talking about church universal, are very content to gain knowledge, gain knowledge, especially when I first got born again. Okay? I got saved in 1984. We were right in the middle of the faith movement. Actually, probably more on going towards the tail end of the word of faith movement. Everything was teaching, 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 teaching. You see all the all of you here right now? Every one of you back then would have had a Bible, paper Bible. I was going to say real Bible, but a, a, a Bible that you can turn pages and that you can underline and write in. And we'd have a notebook and you'd have about three different colored markers because you came to church to learn. You listen to me? You came to church to learn. And that's extremely important. Okay? But we're in a shift in the spirit right now. Listen to me. Don't ever stop being a student of the word. You never come to a point where you say, well, that's it. I'm done with this book. I read it all. No, honey, because it's alive and active. It's alive, and it will, it will rise up in, in response to the season of life that you're in right now. 
a scripture that you might have read 10 years ago, and, and you know, you read it, and it's all of a sudden now in a different season, that thing jumps off the page, and you go, oh, now I understand what he's talking about. And I pray that some of this is going to happen tonight. But listen to me. You and I must actively, I hope there's a few more people coming, because we're going to set a record tonight. I'm going to set a record tonight. No, 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 you're wasting time. Come on, stop. No, listen to me. What was the last thing I just said? You come to church to learn. Okay, so, so here we go. Listen to me. Every one of us that's sitting in here tonight that is a believer, already born again, filled with the Spirit of God, you have at least 10 to 20 individuals in your sphere of influence who need you to really be walking in the Word. If you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for the person that's home right now, crying, losing their mind. So listen, you, Jesus cannot afford for you to lose your mind because there's people that are losing theirs that need you to speak into their life. And what are they going to need? Wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? The Word. Who will translate the Word to develop wisdom in us? The Holy Spirit. So you need to know the Word and the days that we're in right now you need to know the word, not just John 3, 16. You need to know the word that you can practically apply so that you can set an example for one who doesn't know where to turn right now. Amen. And we have them all around us. We have some of us in the room tonight. Okay? So you ready? Yes. All right. <clears throat> Father, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that the scriptures, Lord, that I believe that you've shown me by your spirit, Father, that you, Holy Ghost, would take these scriptures and you would impart them, explain them, amplify them, cause them to become life to us tonight, Father, so that we, Lord God, can maintain our sanity can maintain our stability, can be very wise and know the seasons of life that we're in right now. Father, even as, as, as you spoke of the sons of Issachar in the Old Testament, you said that they understood the times and the seasons. Father, I pray for that spirit that was on the tribe of Issachar, Father God, to come upon the church right now, that every single one of us would be very wise, very alert, very discerning. Father God, that we would understand what to be involved in, what not to be involved in. Amen. What to go after, what not to go after. Amen. How to avoid the stress, the anxiety, Father, that the world system under the sway of the powers of darkness want to use to wear down the saints. We will not be worn down in Jesus' name. Amen. In fact, we're going to rise up with wings like eagles. Amen. We're going to run and, and not grow weary. Amen. We're going to walk and we're not going to faint. Because, Father, we position ourselves to wait upon you and to receive all that we need from you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Let's just jump right into the word. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor, okay, in charge of a church. Hallelujah, they keep coming. You guys might need to move in a little bit and so people can get in their seats. Glory to God. Verse 3, Paul writing to Timothy. This is the second letter that we know of that he's write, written to Timothy. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Wow. As my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Paul is the bishop. Paul is the supervisor. He's writing to this young man, Timothy, to encourage him, okay? Now watch this now. He said, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Verse 4, look at this. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. What is this telling us? Timothy's in a tough spot right now. Timothy's in a hard place in the ministry right now. We don't know if there's people that are coming against him because of his age. We know he's a young man. We don't know if there's people coming against him because uh, Bible scholars and church history uh, seems to, to lean towards the fact that 
Timothy's mother and grandmother were Jews, were Hebrews, but his father was a Greek. And so people might have looked down on him because of that. Because, you know, that was, that's not unheard of in that day. Okay? They might have considered him a half-breed. All right? They might have considered, well, we don't know where this guy's coming from. You know, we know his mother, we know his grandmother. But his father was a Greek, and his father didn't believe anything, or his father might have offered sacrifices to Zeus and all this other stuff. But the fact is, Timothy is in a very fragile emotional state. Why? Paul is very much aware of Timothy's tears. You got this? He said, I greatly desire to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you, look at this now. This is all, and we could preach on this one for, for about an hour. Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Who did the laying on of hands? Paul did. Who's supposed to do the stirring up? Uh, you see, you hesitated there because we think God's supposed to stir us up. Well, some of you might have came to church tonight. Some of you might have said on the way here, I'm going to church because I need to get stirred up. No, Paul said, you stir yourself up. Thank you, David. Thank you, one other person. The Word of God, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave charge to Timothy for him to stir himself up. You listening? Don't look for me to stir you up. I'm looking for somebody to stir me up. You listening to me? You stir yourself up. He said, by the laying on of hands. You see, things get imparted to us. Oh, man. All right, give me 30 seconds to talk about this. Things in the kingdom of God be, are imparted. They're not purchased. You don't beg for them. They're imparted. That's why, honestly, before God, I could say this after 38 years of being a Christian, don't ever miss church unless it's an absolute emergency. Why? You have no idea what's going to get imparted that night. You have no idea what's going to get imparted in that service. A prayer meeting gets called, run, go. Why? You have no idea what the Holy Ghost is going to impart. He doesn't tell us ahead of time. So that might give us a glimpse here and there, but you don't know. When there's an altar call given, when there's an invitation to come up to whatever, to respond or to worship God, run. Amen. Run. Why? Because you don't know what you're going to get in that atmosphere. Amen. Things. Listen to me. In the kingdom of God, there's more that's caught than taught. You listening to me? I thank God for the men and women of God that the Lord allowed me to sit under. I thank God for the services that I participated. I thank God for the Bible school I went to. I thank God for the mighty, mighty instructors, great men and women of God that we had the privilege and honor. But let me tell you something. More was caught than taught. Because when something is imparted to you, it's spirit to spirit. When you're receiving an education, it's going here first. Are you getting this? Yes. All right. So, Timothy caught some things from Paul when Paul laid hands on him. And he's trying to remind him of that. Now, look at this now. Therefore, verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of... This is an impartation, right? Oh, my God. This is an impartation. Just, just, just got that in my spirit. This is an impartation, night. So keep, keep, yourself, keep yourself open, okay? No, don't dare go, oh, I've heard this scripture so many times. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Verse 6, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through laying out on my hands. Somebody else want to preach here? Okay. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying out of my hands. So gifts, gifts from God... Look at, look at, gifts of God are deposited sometimes through other ministers. Through other men and women of God. Amen? Verse 7. Now, we always take verse 7 and go, and this is, oh, this is a scripture when he is not realizing the context. Paul is writing to a man who is very fragile right now emotionally. He's probably thinking about quitting the ministry. He's probably thinking about, man, why did I ever get myself involved in this stuff? This is hard, okay? 
And Paul recognizes this. He reminds him that he's not just doing a job. He's in the ministry. And he said, don't forget about the gift of God that you received through laying on of my hands. Okay? Watch this now. Verse 7. You want to read it out loud with me? One, two, three. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We always take that verse and bam, we go Philippians, what is it, 1 7? Uh, 2 Timothy 2 7. We pull that out, take it out of context, not realizing Paul was offering this to a man who felt like he was losing his mind. What is the answer to fear? Now, watch this now. If you look that up in the original language, you know what that word fear is? Phobia. Phobia. And you pay money to go to the doctor for him to tell you you got this phobia and that phobia, the other phobia. And yet God says here, I can give you a spirit of phobia. You didn't get that phobia from me. But I'm not giving you a spirit of phobia. But of what? Dunamis. Dynamite. But of power and of love and of what? Sound. That's what we want to maintain, sound mind. Sound mind. Amen? Amen. Sound mind. So what is it telling us here? When fear comes, oh man, this is good. When fear comes on us, what is it really after? It's after our power, it's after our love, and it's after our sound mind. Sound mind. You cannot entertain fear. You cannot tolerate fear. If you're going to hold on to your mind, you cannot tolerate fear. Well, Pastor, you understand, you know, I've had this fear ever since I was a little kid. What does that have to do with anything? Whether you got it for five minutes or you had it for 60 years, what difference does it make? It's still not from God. Well, you know, uh, Pastor, I'm a little afraid to cross the street because, you know, when I was a little kid, uh, no, no, you can't do that. It's robbing you of the power to cross the street. I don't like to be in big crowds. I get in big crowds and I get like, I start getting, no, no, you can't tolerate that. So, so Pastor, I, I'm watching you on, online because, you know, I'm not, I don't do good in, oh, so now it's robbed you of the power to come to church and be around your brothers and sisters and receive from the corporate anointing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You getting this? You can't, you can't tolerate that stuff. Amen? All right. So. Pressures, responsibilities, stress can take a toll on our mental health. So let's talk now about how not to lose our minds. Okay? Because we want to stay in that realm of a sound mind. Okay? Listen to me. That is our heritage from the Lord. Jesus died on the cross for you and I to have soundness of mind. Are you getting this? Okay. Turn to somebody and say, sound mind belongs to us. Number one. You ready? You ready? Number one. Proverbs 3, 5. Stop trying to figure everything out yourself. Stop trying to figure everything out yourself. Proverbs chapter 3. You know this one. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. When you lean on your own understanding, what are you trying to do? You're trying to figure everything out yourself. You're leaning on your understanding. Let me ask you a question. Look at me, please. Your understanding, God's understanding. Which one do you think has... Which one do you... So if he says don't lean on your own understanding, obviously he has understanding that is superior to your understanding and my understanding. Yes or no? In all your ways, acknowledge him. This is where we make a mistake. We don't acknowledge him. We think, okay, I can figure this one out. I don't need to bother you, God. And he shall direct your paths. See, direction in our life is one of the areas that causes us to get extremely stressed out. And, and listen to me. It's because you and I Try to figure out the path ourselves. And you can't. I don't know if you found this out yet, but I have found it out. In 38 years of being saved, 38 years of walking with God, he'll send you east to get you west. 
He'll send you north to get you south because he wants you to just trust him and follow him. He may take you to the other side of the world to get you to back to the other side of the world. It's his business. Just acknowledge him. Trust him. Let him take you on the journey. Because listen, the journey with God is always an adventure. It's never boring. Trust me. It's never boring. You listening to me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Verse 7, here's where we lose it sometimes. And it blows up in our face and backfires. Do not be wise in your own eyes. What is this all about? The stress of trying to figure things out ourselves. You don't have the capacity. I don't have the capacity. We only know what we know. And the place where we really get messed up is we don't know what we don't know. And that's why sometimes you can be in a path that you think you're supposed to be going, and all of a sudden, here comes the minefield. Here comes the landmines. Boom, 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 boom. Pastor, I don't say what's going on. You know, I thought I was following God. And blah, blah, blah. Go find out where you were supposed to be to begin with. Well, how, I don't know how I'm going to get back on track. What was the last thing that God told you to do? No, what was the last thing that God told you to do that you didn't do? He's still there. He doesn't go, oh, okay, I guess I'll follow you. No, he stays there and goes, I'll be here. I'll just wait here. You, when you're done, come back. But here, I'm over here. Is this helping anybody tonight? Pastor, I don't understand. I took a step, and now all my finances are shot. Obviously, you're not where he called you. Because where he guides, he provides. That's a cliche sign of thing, but it is very, very profound truth. See, he's not obligated to provide on the, on the path that you're on. He's obligated to provide on the path where he is, where you're supposed to be. Ask me how I know. Learned the hard way for many de- decades, okay? So number one, stop trying to figure everything out yourself. Now, the key verses there in that is this. Well, I didn't finish verse 7. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, fear the Lord is not like, oh, so scared. Fear the Lord. Stand in awe. Have respect. Have honor. Honor. Say that word, please. Honor. Say the word respect. respect. Because you hear very little about this anymore in church. Now, can I throw a little side note in here? Okay, go, well, let's say this first. I love my pastor. Because he tells me the truth, whether it hurts or not. Now, can I say something? Can I be Papa tonight? Can, can I be Papa tonight? It's extremely... Di- no, let me turn around. It's extremely disrespectful when somebody's trying to take the offering or someone's hosting or someone's giving the announcements and all you hear is... Please don't do that anymore. Please don't do that. You know what they taught us in Bible school? With the honor that you give the speaker is the same honor that you should respect when you're in that position. So, so, so honor if you want to receive honor. If you, wanna, if you want honor to come to you, then you must so honor. You must so respect. Are you listening to me? But not only that, but it's distractful for somebody who's sitting here, maybe for the first time, is like wants to he- actually it cares and wants to hear. Okay? You got it? Thank you for allowing me to vent. Because I sit here sometimes with my stomach in knots and go, oh my God. Oh, my God, I can't believe the rudeness. Not good. We, of all people, should be people of honor. We worship a God of honor. Okay, and that's what this is talking about here. Fear the Lord, honor the Lord, respect the Lord. Have the Lord in awe. Depart from evil, and it'll do what? It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, on top of all... Emotional pressure and stress and anxiety on us. Do we need medical problems too? 
Because that only increases the, the mental stress. Amen? Amen. Matthew 6.25. Again, we're talking about do not be wise in your own eyes. Matthew 6.25. Jesus speaking. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about... Is this helping anybody tonight? Do not worry about your life. And and what do we do? Worry about our life. He tells us, don't worry about your life. What do we do? We worry about our life. Okay? What you will eat, what you will drink... Nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Yeah, a whole lot more. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to, the, to his stature? I found out. Once I hit 5'8", I wasn't going any more than that. <laughs> No matter how much I worried, no matter how much I talked, no matter how much I spoke six foot in Jesus' name. <laughs> five eight. My wife said to me recently, I don't even think you're five eight anymore. <laughs> All right, let's get back in here. Verse 28. So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, yeah, I know this, I know this, I know this. But he's hitting us where we practically need to take inventory of our lives. How much of our time do we sit there and and think about, I I haven't bought any new clothes in how long? I need new shoes. I need to get my car shot. Stop it. I don't want to go any further than that because I'm going to cover the topic even deeper in a little bit, okay? Verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Wow. When we spend our time always thinking about what am I living in? What am I driving? What clothes am I wearing? What am I going to eat? Uh, steak is $18 a pound. Like, you start, uh, when you start obsessing with that stuff, Jesus calls that little faith. He created the universe. He can't make a filet mignon for you. Verse 31 is a principle here. And honestly, I like it better in the King James Version, but I'm going to stick with this one. Jesus now offers a principle of how to get rid of the stress and how not to lose your mind. Therefore, do not worry. Thank you. I'll say it again. Therefore, do not worry. Now you're getting it. Do not worry. Saying. I'll say it again. Do not worry. Saying. Well, pastor, uh, you know, if that's on my mind. No, honey, listen to me. You don't have to. Do you speak everything that comes to your mind? You wouldn't have a friend in the world. Come on, let's be honest. I'm not trying to be funny, but let's be honest with each other. God forbid if they ever invented a way for us to see other people's thoughts. I, I wouldn't go out of the house. So why do we not think that we have control over this ourselves? You know, Jesus in another place in the gospel said to the disciples, possess ye your souls. You and I have the ability to possess our souls. You and I have the ability to say, no, I'm not going to say that. But but you know what? For various different reasons, sometimes we want people to feel sorry for us. Okay? So we say everything that's on them, every thought, every concern, conscious. Stop it. It's not so much that we don't want to hear it. It's you don't need to hear yourself constantly saying, saying. And Jesus goes, you want to see, you want to keep your minds? You want to stay stable? You want to have calm? Take, King James, take no thought, saying. New King James says, do not worry, saying. 
And he goes on to say, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? He says, stop it. Stop it. Don't you think? It's like, what if a little kid, what if you had a little kid, five years old, walking around, especially when they're around their grandparents, and they go, I don't know what I'm going to wear. Mommy didn't make me anything for food today, for, for dinner. Mom, What does that make the parent look like? Come on, come on. What does it make the parent look like? Like a bum, right? So when we constantly saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? What are you making your heavenly father look like? Like he's not capable of supplying you the things that you need? And you don't understand that you keep talking like this and you're losing little bits of your mind constantly. Take no thought saying. Are you catching this? What's the topic tonight? How not to lose your mind. One of the ways not to lose your mind is stop saying negative stuff. Stop talking about your lack. Stop highlighting what your loss is. Start thanking God for what you have. Verse 32. For after all these things, the Gentiles... Or we're lost to that word. How about if we do it this way? For all these things, the pagans seek. So when you and I are obsessed, constantly talking about, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Who wants to be a pagan here? I don't mean motorcycle guy. He said the idol worshipers conduct themselves this way. Constantly complaining, constantly complaining. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. Stand up, stand up, stand up. And all these things. Things. Come on, go, do it like this. Do it like this. Going to make everybody honorary Italian tonight. And all these things shall be what? Added. Add, well, watch this now. Added. That means you already got something that you're not even aware that you got, and he's adding to it. In other words, it ain't showing up for the first time. He's adding to what you already have that you may not even be aware of because you're so busy talking about what I don't have, what I can't wear, what am I going to drive, where am I going to live? Joseph means God will increase. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So... Here it is. Remember what we said here. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his, his way of doing things, the position that you have with him. And all these things. shall be what? Added. Added. Now listen to this statement. Obsession with needs can develop into a distraction. You may start spending all your time trying to figure out how you can get the things you think you need so desperately. If, you're, if your sanity is like shaky right now, your stability in your mind is shaky right now, if you find yourself constantly entertaining thoughts of, I don't have this, I don't have that, we'll get to where it leads you later in a little bit. But watch this now. Do not become obsessed with perceived needs. But pastor, the fact is, I need this, I need... God knows you need that. Did you notice that God created the garden first, then he put Adam in it? He didn't create Adam and go, okay, now sit down, I got a notebook here, tell me what you want. Yes or no? Come on, I know this sounds very simple, but this is where we lose it. He knows what you need. And he, listen, listen. I'm getting ahead again of myself. Stop getting... Stop setting your eye on what everybody else has. That person's needs may be very different than your needs. And then listen, depending on what season of life you're in, your needs are different. When you're five years old, you don't need a car. Some of us, when you get on the whole other end of the spectrum, they should take your car away. But you understand what I'm saying here? Depending on the season of life, your needs are different. My wife and I are empty nesters now. Not crazy about it sometimes, but then other times when I look at the checkbook, look at that and go, well, hey, it's a nice season to be in. 
right? Because when you're raising kids, your needs are much greater, right? So, so stop this because we become obsessed. And then you get to be like one of those people that drives around neighbors and goes, how come they have that house and I don't? How come that so-and-so just bought a new car? I'm still driving the car from 10 years ago. What happens to your mind? You start thinking negative. You start getting depressed. You start living in regret. You start, th- you start now taking inventory of who owes you money. If I only had the money that I lent, I only had the money that I lent this, and I only had the money that I gave this person. Again, ask me how I know. You listening to me? Is this too simple tonight? This is common sense stuff because we serve a God of common sense. We serve a God who's practical. Do you not understand that? He made you. He knew your life before you were even conceived. He knew what your needs were going to be. Okay, those of you that are in high uh, management positions, you need more grace. You need more whatever. You need more, because you're dealing with a lot of people. A person that's got a family with eight kids, of course, has more needs than the family that just has one kid. So just be satisfied. Uh, One of the ways, I guess you would say it today, I don't know, because I don't understand this statement 100%. Stay in your lane. Stay, now... The practical application of that is I live in an area where there's a lot of senior communities, and I wish everybody of them would stay in their lane, but because they, they have a habit of just pulling out and not even looking. They figure, hey, I lived this long. What's the difference? But you understand the danger of getting out of your lane. God knows the needs that you have at this point in your life. Now, watch now. Now, now he will impart wisdom to you early on so that when you get to that season of life, you have provision. You see what I'm saying? But don't get jealous of the person that has something that... I sat down with my kids one day and I said to them, listen, my father really didn't start making it until he hit 50. My grandfather didn't even come to this country until he was 50. I said, now, we have a pattern. It seems like God prepares us a lot in the beginning and then blesses us in the latter part. Honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want the blessing in the beginning when I'm stupid, young, and foolish. And then when I'm older, now I'm suffering for those years when I was stupid, young, and foolish. So, so be content where you're at. Don't, and don't, don't look at me where I'm at now. Don't look at my father where he was. Be satisfied where you are. God's got everything under control. Just keep walking with him. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. And it's scriptural. Okay? You, you got, now, what happens when you do that? You start protecting your sanity. You start insulating the stability of your mind. And you start walking in soundness of mind. Why? Because you're not allowing fear to come in. You see what I'm saying? Now, I've met a lot of older people who never corrected their mistakes when they were young. And they're filled with fear in their latter days. Why? Because their earning, inc- their earning capability is not there anymore. And they didn't put, and I hope I'm not opening up any wounds here, and they didn't walk in wisdom when they were younger, and now it's late. Well, if you know somebody that's in that position, and I hope it's somebody here, pray for mercy for them. Pray, God, what would you have me to do to ease the burden on so-and-so? Come on, I'm going to say that again because too many people went, oh, I was listening to something else. (laughs) Pray and ask God how he would have you to be his grace to that individual. Let me tell you something. When you get involved like that, Man, the rewards that come back from God are just like, foo. They're like waves that just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Why? Because he knows if you're a safe individual for him to deposit stuff with, that you're not going to try to eat it all by yourself. You know, when you eat by yourself, sometimes you choke. Okay? You're better off. You say, okay, this is what I need. We're talking about not losing our minds. This is what I need. What can I take now of the rest of this loaf? Who can I bless with it? You catching this? I didn't say, did you hear it? I said, are you catching this? Because truthfully, 
The most generous people on this planet should be the Christians. Why? Because we're tied to an unlimited source. But you see, if you don't know him that way, and you, then you start going. Here, here, just open your hand. It's a little crumb. What have I got on my hand for? The wind's going to blow that away before it gets in my hand. Do you notice that God never gives with an eyedropper? It's always abundance. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. He didn't say a crack. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. We should be imitators. Imitators, imitators. Be generous. Be generous. Oh, Pastor, you don't know about me. No, you see, you started already. You took thought saying. Obsession with needs can develop into distraction because you're going to start spending all your time figuring out how you're going to get what you think you need. Stop it. You're showing God that you don't trust him. I didn't say don't do your homework. I didn't say don't be diligent. Be diligent, but not to the point where you think it's all up to you. Okay, I'll move on. Oh, we got to number one. <laughs> number two ties right into the statement I just made. Beware of distractions. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, New Living Translation. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Here it is. Stay in your lane. Verse 27. Don't get what? Sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Listen to me. These past couple of years, I've been very sensitive to this because I recognized it was a tactic that the enemy was starting to introduce in my life. We had an opportunity to buy a piece of property. I've, to- I've mentioned it here and there on the other side of town. Would have been perfect for us. Plenty of parking. Would have put us right on the main highway. And so it- as soon as the opportunity presented itself... I said to those around me, I'm not sure on the inside if this is direction or this is distraction. Because let me tell you something. Distraction has a really neat way of masquerading itself as direction. And we spent seven or eight months distracted over something that never panned out. And I've learned that lesson. I'm in another season right now just like that, and I'm trying to really get discernment from God. What's going on here? Be careful. Uh, That's the wrong word to use. Be sensitive. Don't carry the care. See, because if you follow Proverbs chapter 3, you won't get distracted because he'll direct your path. But the enemy keeps throwing stuff. Life just keeps throwing stuff at you. And usually it's in the form of opportunity. Okay? Now, we have, we're in a season right now. Just America is in a season right now. Our nation is in a season right now. A lot of movement. Okay? You notice all the housing prices went crazy? In our area? Why? Because multitudes of people are leaving the city, leaving New York, leaving North Jersey. Where are they coming? Down here. Shook up the whole area. The housing prices here are being driven by people who are distracted. Now, some of them are probably on direction from God. But listen to me. When a Christian comes, and, and please, dear God, don't take this. I'm not talking about anyone individually here. But many times a person will come and say, Pastor, uh, we're going to be moving. Okay. What's going on? Why? Well, I just feel like I have this opportunity uh, here's the classic one. Pastor, my house is worth double and triple what it was when I bought it. Uh, we're going to sell and move to Florida. Did God tell you to sell and move to Florida? Oh, 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 did you find a church there? And then you see the face. Because you know now they didn't even think about looking for a church. Well, my job, my job is offering me double the amount of money. Okay, to go where? Is it worth double the amount of money if you find yourself in, in hell on earth? What happened? Opportunity came. It was perceived as direction, but it turned out to be distraction. And then, and then what, you, and what I've seen in 25 years of pastoring, and then you see the families limp back a couple of years later. 
And, and the dangerous trap, well, Florida is just as expensive as New Jersey now, so it's not that way. But listen to me. The dangerous trap used to be you sold your house up here for 400000 You bought one down there for 200000 you're all happy because you paid the house cash. Now you can't make a living earning 10 bucks an hour down there. So now you want to come up here, but the house you sold for 400000 now 700000 So you can't afford to come back up here because you spent all the money you made on the house. And now that person does what? Lose their minds. I'm stuck here. I can't move back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get a big amen? Yeah. Beware of distractions. Okay. We have great intentions. We want to accomplish great things. We may even start out with a great plan. But then something else gets our attention and we go off course. Okay, listen to me. We always credit Abram for stepping out in faith to follow God's leading to a place he knew not. But watch this now. Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. There's only one, there's only one issue that we never explore when we talk about Abram. He was not the first person to leave. We love Genesis chapter 12. We rarely read Genesis chapter 11. If and when we do read Genesis chapter 11, we want to talk about the Tower of Babel. But go read the end of the chapter. Genesis chapter 11, okay? Verse 31. And Terah, who's Terah? Abram's father, took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there, so that the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah did what? Died where? In Haran. He never made it to Canaan. You catching this? You catching this? Now, Canaan is modern-day Israel, yes? Haran is in modern-day Turkey. He only got halfway there, and something happened. He might have got distracted. He might have started, he might have went to the 7-Eleven and picked up one of those books, all the houses in it for sale, and said to, and said to everybody, hey, hey, we could buy a house here for $50,000. What are we going to Canaan for? Come on now. What happened? All of a sudden he forgot, hey, we're supposed to go to Canaan. Why? Uh, let's buy a house here. Let's settle down. We'll just stay a few years. You catching this? Am I making this up? Is it in the scriptures? Did I twist anything? Don't die in Haran when you're supposed to go to Canaan. You getting this? We don't know what happened. He might have gotten discouraged. He might have not realized how long the trip was going to be. He might not realized how, how much it was going to take to make this trip. Uh, I don't know, his relatives might have got on his nerves, and he's like, I don't want to move all the way over there with these people. And he settled in Haran and died there. Who went on to Canaan? Abram. I had a very, very powerful man of God one time tell me. He said, Joe, remember this. God will do to you like they used to do in the Navy in World War II, if they brought a plane up on deck on an aircraft carrier and it didn't start, they shoved the plane into the ocean and got another one. And I went, oh, God would never do that. He let Terah die in Haran. He got distracted. You listening? Yes. Next, Abram shows up. He stands. He comes forth. He steps up. Who made it to Canaan? Abram. Who do we remember as the mighty person of faith? Abram. Does anybody even talk? Did you, some of you heard the name Terah tonight for the first time. Nobody remembers Terah. Why? He died in Haran. I notice that Terah's name, as far as I know, is not in Hebrews' wall of faith. 
He died in Haran. Turn to somebody and say, don't die in Haran. Turn to somebody on the other side and say, don't get distracted. Is this helping anybody tonight? All right, the next one is, is pretty lengthy, but... You want to give me another 10 minutes? Yeah? All right. So what do we see so far? Let's look, let's look, let's look. What do we see so far? Number one, stop trying to figure everything out yourself. Did you get that one? Okay. Number two, beware of distractions. Don't get sidetracked. Stay focused. Keep reminding yourself what God said to you. When we were in Bible school, there were friends of ours that we'd go over to their house to eat. We met them out there. never knew them before. The husband was from the Northeast. Well, they're both husband and wife are from the Northeast. Every time, every time, the first time we went there to meet these people, they had, their children were the same age as our children, so that was what we had in common. So they would come over our house for dinner sometimes. We'd go over to their house for dinner sometimes. First time they came, they said, so, so what are you doing here at Bible school? What are you doing in Tulsa? What are you doing at Raymond? I said, well, preparing for the ministry. We're going to go back to New Jersey, start a church. Okay. Just look at you. They all look at you that way, like, yeah, right. Next time you go to dinner, so what are, you, what are you doing after you graduate? I said, going back to New Jersey, going to start a church. Three months later, so what are you going to do when you graduate? I said, man, this guy's a real God, <laughs> this guy, either he's deaf or... I said, I'm going back to New Jersey to start a church. That kept happening almost the whole two years we were there. <laughs> After we started the church, you weren't here yet. You were still in Tulsa. Okay. You remember? I flew them out here. <laughs> Gave his wife an opportunity to minister to the women because I wanted them to see the church that we told him we were going to start. I, and just in case he didn't believe it. What, what happened? Now, if I would, I would that, those questions, they wear on you. Because you start thinking, maybe he knows something I don't know. Amen. Do not get distracted. Amen. Now, this isn't just only for ministry. Don't get distracted in your marriage. Oh, gosh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. What did you think it was going to be? <laughs> don't get distracted. Stay on course. Life is full of hardship. That's why we have God. Amen. He gave us faith to overcome the hardships. Oh, man, if I knew what it was going to be like to raise kids, I would have never, I would have had puppies. <laughs> right? You hear people say stupid stuff like that. Well, what did you think it was going to be? You're raising another human being, and they're, they're being influenced by you. Oh, God, have mercy on them. You hear what I'm saying? What did you think it was going to be? Just you lay back and they're just going to grow themselves like weeds? <laughs> Stay on course. Don't get distracted. Amen. You're on your job. You had a fight with your wife. Be careful of the one that's going to come. How are you today? <laughs> you seem like you're down. Do not forget that there's a spirit realm that influences individuals. They're called familiar spirits. There's a reason why they're called familiar spirits. It's because they are familiar with you. They know your family background. They were there when your great-great-grandfather was around. They know the patterns from generation to generation to generation to generation. And they set you up. So you're in the office there, you're all angry because your wife doesn't understand you, and what is the first stupid thing that comes out of your mouth? Well, you know, I'm having trouble with my wife. <laughs> and that devil inside that one goes, Woof. wow, it's like you just put one of them bicycle flags on your head, <laughs> or a flare, or a, some kind of a signal, eh, 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 sucker, eh, 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 eh. You're getting set up. For a major distraction, this one that you might not recover from. Open your eyes. Pray for discernment. Not everybody that comes into your life is sent by God. In fact, very few are. Most of them are sent by the enemy. But he's so hot. 
He's so handsome. And the sucker in the office that's sitting there who had a fight with his wife and then comes in, and here she comes, doesn't realize he's being set up for the slaughter according to the scriptures. I had one very good friend, but, but, but you don't understand, Joe. This woman understands me like my wife never could. I said, you're an idiot. She doesn't have to clean your underwear. She don't have to go after your kids. Of course she could sit there and tell you anything you want to hear. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the wisdom of the Holy Ghost. All right, we're not going to finish this tonight. There's too, I don't want to rush with this. There's too many good things here, isn't it? Yes. This has been good? Yes. All right. Now listen, the next one is going to be an important one. Because this is one of the ones that if we're not careful, it'll make us lose our mind for good. I'll throw it at you. We'll do it next week. We'll start with it. Number three. Stay out of jealousy and stay out of strife. Jealousy. Oh, pastor in the church? Are you kidding me? Jealousy. Unchecked jealousy will make you bitter, angry, hard-hearted. Nobody's going to want to be around you because you pick that stuff up immediately. Stay out of jealousy. Somebody else is getting blessed. Thank God for them. Better yet, better yet, see yourself on the line, okay? They're getting blessed. Say, hallelujah, I'm right behind them. I'm next, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. Don't ever be jealous of the blessing of God that's on somebody's life. First of all, you don't know what it cost them to get there. Where were you when they had nothing? Now you want to look because they have everything. You think it's going to be a good one next week? Now listen to me. We got a few empty seats here tonight. There are listen, I'm sure you listened to something and somebody's face popped in front of your eyes like, oh man, they should have been here. They needed to hear this. Well, if you love that person, would you please bring them next week? If we have to add more chairs, we'll add more chairs. I'll put chairs up here on the platform. I don't care. Why? We have got, listen to me. Before we go, listen to me. We've got to maintain our sanity. My God, if the church loses it, the world is finished. Do you not understand that? And we have the tools. We have the empowerment. We have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that's in us than he that's causing the craziness in this world. Are you not understanding this? Please, listen to me. We're going to give an account of the things we did while we were here on earth. I'm not talking about before we were saved. That's under the blood. I'm talking about the things we've done while we're here waiting for Jesus to come back or for us to go to him. The things that he spoke to us about, the people that he put on our hearts, the opportunities that he gave us to reach individuals. But if you're going to stay in that position of losing your mind, what good are you going to be to the ones who really need it? Man, this is probably some of the most important teaching of this year. So please, I'm begging you, Please be here next Wednesday. Please bring somebody who you know is suffering under the strain of whatever's going on in their life. We got a couple more things to talk about, and then I'll bring out the other stuff that the Lord showed me before the service tonight. Amen? Amen. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, please do not hesitate. Come up here. There's people that are wanting to pray for you, to pray with you, okay? If any of the things we talked about tonight, you recognize have been causing you stress, don't just go home and go, wow, that was a great teaching tonight. No, let us pray for you so you can get free from that stuff. Amen? Amen. If anybody's entertaining fear that's crippling them, fear that's not allowing you to sleep at night, that's not from God. He says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. Sleep is supposed to refresh us. It's like a mini Sabbath at the end of the day. If you're not sleeping, that's not coming from God. That's coming from the enemy. Why? Because when you lose sleep, sleep, you get worn down. Remember what we started out with tonight? Daniel, I believe it's in chapter 10. The tactic of the Antichrist is to wear down the saints in the last days. Why? So the church would be like, 
And when Jesus is, is coming back, we need to prepare. There's a harvest. Listen, there's a harvest to gather in. If you're all in your head, all wounded, all upset, all, oh my gosh, I don't know, where am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Where am I going to live? You're not worrying about the person that's lost. You're worrying about you. And the church is not called to be self-centered. The church is supposed to be just like Jesus. He said, I am among you as one who serves. It's all about the other person. That's why he wants us free from all these concerns, free from all the stress, free from all the worry. He doesn't want us losing our mind. He wants us to possess our souls, have strength in our souls, emotional strength. Amen? Amen.